Hi, friends. Welcome back to Have You Met Her, a podcast about amazing women. I'm Paige, and I've been digging into the lives of some lesser-known women in history and then sharing some of their stories with you. We're going to be talking about women who took to the air this month, women whose adventurous spirits wouldn't allow them to stay earthbound. This week, we're going to be talking about the first professional female aeronaut in history. That's right, we're going to be talking about hot air balloons and a woman who became famous for writing and performing in one. Normally a shy and nervous person, being in the air transformed her into an almost reckless daredevil. Hang on to your hats and enjoy episode 32, Have You Met? Sophie Blanchard. The first documentation of hot air balloons come from China around 220 AD. After discovering the physics involved in sending and keeping objects in flight, Chinese signal lanterns were used during war. When I was researching this fact, I couldn't help but remember the 2023 Chinese balloon incident from earlier this year, when a high-altitude balloon that originated from China was shot down and was found to be carrying intelligence-gathering equipment. Kind of strange. But anyway, moving on. Because the balloons that we're going to be talking about for this episode and that were so important to Sophie Blanchard's story are neither signal lanterns or mysterious weather balloons. If you think about the modern day hot air balloons that you've seen, you probably think about a large basket below for passengers and a large, usually colorful, billowing balloon floating peacefully above. You'll be a lot closer to the type of balloon I'm describing, but in an earlier, more basic manifestation. As people became more interested in exploring flight, hot air balloons of many different materials, sizes, and with a variety of fuel types were invented. In France, in the late 1700s, two brothers, the Montgolfiers, were said to have noticed that their laundry, which they had suspended over the fire to dry, was being gently lifted into the air. They first misunderstood the cause and effect thinking that it was the smoke itself that caused the floating. The brothers were intrigued and attempted to create the same reaction using paper. The papers would rise, but would inevitably tip over and crash into the fire. French legend says that an older woman was watching the brothers' attempts at making their paper fly, and she finally called out to them, laughing and saying they were fools. Didn't they realize that they had to make the paper tapered at the bottom? to contain the smoke and keep the paper afloat? Whether true or not, the adjustments were made to the brothers' invention, and voila, the first hot air balloon. The first hot air balloon, built by the Montgolfier brothers on a grander scale than a sheet of paper, was launched in front of King Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette and a crowd of people at Versailles. It was a huge success. No one had ever seen anything like it before. And before long, 
the balloons became larger and larger, and the Montgolfiers began to consider manned flight. King Louis was obsessed with the balloons and encouraged the next step. He proposed that the brothers use criminals to test the contraption. But instead, in 1783, aboard the first manned but tethered vessel were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. I know it sounds like a bad joke, but the trio rose to 1,500 feet and stayed airborne for 10 minutes before landing safely on the ground. I wish I had the sheep, duck, and rooster's name to share with you, but that wasn't available in my research. Soon after this display, men started taking flights in balloons made of sackcloth and taffeta, at first safely tied to the earth and then lifted, free from anchors, into the sky by heated air from fires in a box below the balloon. Now, our excited ballooners may have been treated like rock stars for their performances, but it's important to remember that no one really understood how ballooning worked or what the dangers were in sending men into the air. Was the human body even designed to go high in the air? Would their brains explode? Could you die if you went too high? And what about the crashing? Because there was more bravery than scientific understanding, every flight brought the possibility of a crash and a death. The excitement of these flights was the beginning of what was known as balloonomania. People were thrilled to see these displays, and the inventors and ballooners worked diligently to create new designs, better flying, and more drama. British scientist Henry Cavendish discovered hydrogen in 1766, and this technology was soon applied to the flying balloons. Hydrogen-fueled balloons could fly higher and further, but we also know now that hydrogen is much more dangerous when you're dealing with open flames. Sophie Arnemont was a young girl when balloonomania began. Balloons were considered highly fashionable in France. Furniture, ceramics, and paintings often featured decorations of brightly colored balloons, and women's fashion at the time also resembled the shapes and colors of famous hot air balloons. Sophie was a nervous, small, shy girl who would jump at loud noises and cry when it got too loud. She trembled every time that she rode in horse-drawn carriages. The balloons intrigued her during her childhood, like everyone in Europe, especially France. But in Sophie's teens, a certain balloonist also caught her eye, Jean-Pierre Blanchard. Jean-Pierre was a talented balloonist, although he was a terrible businessman and a horrible husband and father to the wife and four children that he had left to live his dreams of ballooning. The teenage Sophie only saw the pizzazz and glamour when she looked at Jean-Pierre. And there was some razzmatazz to Jean-Pierre. He had flown the English Channel and had even been overseas, where he performed the first balloon flight in North America in 1793. 
he flew over Philadelphia with George Washington, John Adams, and Thomas Jefferson, along with a huge crowd watching him. Sophie and Jean-Pierre were married. No one is certain exactly when this marriage occurred. Some say 1794 when Sophie was 16, while 1797 and 1804 are also considered possible marriage years for them. But whatever Sophie's age, she had married into ballooning show business. Jean-Pierre was a good performer, a brilliant showman. He wasn't scared to push limits and was always looking for a way to increase the razzle-dazzle. I referred to ballooners as rock stars before, and that analogy was one that I discovered during my research that really helped me wrap my head around the frenzy surrounding ballooning. Like a festival or concert, people would pay money to see their favorite performers, and the paying people expected a fantastic show. If the balloons took too long to inflate, if there were complications that occurred, the spectators would go crazy, ripping the balloons to shreds, Woodstock 99 style. So, being a balloonist was potentially lucrative, but also carried a lot of risk. Unfortunately, many of the balloon-centered businesses that Jean-Pierre attempted were failures, and more and more people were discovering that Jean-Pierre told tales and outright lies that finally caught up with him. In a desperate attempt to find a new novelty to bring in more fame and income, Jean-Pierre convinced little Sophie to join him on a flight. He believed that a flying female, especially one as petite and meek as his wife, would be just the thing to win supporters back. And it worked. Kind of. Sophie was terrified. Remember, she was scared to ride his carriage, which was firmly on the ground. But she finally agreed. Sophie said that the first time she rode in a balloon, it was an incomparable experience, and it changed her life. She loved it. Being in the air was peaceful. It was quiet. It calmed her nerves and relaxed her for the first time in her life. She was hooked. Which is so strange. People were dying during ballooning. A wind gust, a hastily miscalculated route, and the fact that many of the balloonists, Jean-Pierre included, had switched to hydrogen to fuel their flights. It was so dangerous. Sophie's third time in the air was her first solo trip. It's almost as if she feels completely calm when she's alone and in the air. So the couple continue their ballooning together, traveling, dazzling, and escaping the many dangers associated with their chosen profession. Until Jean-Pierre's last flight. While Jean-Pierre was flying, he had a heart attack and fell from his balloon. He didn't die immediately, but was severely injured. And Sophie spent the next year nursing him and trying to help him recover. During one of their last conversations, rumor has it that Jean-Pierre told Sophie that there was no money left. His creditors were going to come after her when he died. So he recommended that she just take her own life when he dies. Doesn't really sound like the most loving husband, in my opinion. However, when Jean-Pierre finally did expire, 
Sophie decided that since she loved ballooning so much, she was going to try things on her terms without her husband's bad decisions. She believed that she could be successful by herself. And Sophie was. She was the first woman to adopt solo ballooning as a career. Sophie proved herself to be a much better businesswoman as well. She knew that cutting costs was an important part of seeing higher profits. She was a small woman, so she knew that a smaller balloon and a smaller carrier would be suitable and save a lot of money. According to historian Richard Holmes, she commissioned a much smaller silk balloon capable of lifting her on a tiny decorated silver gondola. This was shaped like a small canoe or child's cradle, curved upwards at each end, but otherwise open. It was little more than three feet long and one foot high at the sides. When she stood up, grasping the balloon ropes, the edge of the gondola did not reach above her knees. It was virtually like standing in a flying champagne bucket. Sophie would wear long, beautiful dresses and brightly colored hats and stand in her small structure. She was quite a sight. Her displays caught the attention of everyone in France, including Napoleon. He was especially fond of balloons and appointed Sophie Blanchard the aeronaut of the official festivals where she would organize and perform ballooning displays at all major events. Sophie set off fireworks from her balloon to celebrate the 1910 marriage of Napoleon and Marie-Louise, and then flew over Paris, dropping leaflets to announce the birth of their son later. Napoleon had plans of possibly using balloons to invade England. He made Sophie, without asking her, the chief air minister of ballooning, and shared his plan. Startled, Sophie cleverly explained to Napoleon that although his plan was brilliant, the winds across the English Channel would not allow this plan of attack. Sophie dodged that bullet and continued her displays. But it wasn't just a career for Sophie. She loved being in the air. It relaxed her so much that she would fall asleep on her flights, which, as you can imagine, caused some problems. Her balloon would float uncontrolled in the night sky with Sophie fast asleep. Sometimes she would float so high that she would pass out. Sometimes she would fall asleep and wake up with icicles on her hands and face. She became known for her night flights. Sometimes people would see her balloon at night among the stars in the sky. But it wasn't all displays and festivals and naps for Sophie. Sometimes she had her share of close calls. She almost died in 1817 when she mistook a marsh field for a safe landing place and her balloon got caught in a tree and spilled her into the water. Fortunately, people had noticed her descent and she was rescued just in time. Sophie traveled around Europe performing in Frankfurt, Rome, and Turin. She was a rock star herself by this time and everyone knew of her. And she was making money, a lot of money. She had paid off all the debts that she'd inherited from Jean-Pierre and was generous with her new wealth. She offered to donate her proceeds from one of her flights to a shelter for fallen women, but the proprietress declined, 
concerned that with every flight, Sophie was risking her life. When Sophie was home in Paris, she would fly twice a week at the Tivoli Gardens. Particularly dangerous because of the trees surrounding her favorite spot, she was often warned to be careful. On July 6, 1819, Sophie planned a particularly impressive display featuring more fireworks than usual. Yeah, I said fireworks. By this point, Sophie was making big splashes in her performances by lighting and releasing fireworks from her balloon. Some of them had little parachutes attached to them, so they would slowly fall as they went off, and some she would just let go from her basket. Knowing what we know about the hydrogen that she was using to help her balloon float, and knowing what we know about hydrogen and fire and how well those things mix, I'm sure that you know where this story is going. It's said that many people that night tried to warn her of the greater danger of her added pyrotechnics, but there were others that cheered her on and encouraged her. It's said that she hesitated briefly and then made a statement to the effect of, let's go out with a bang. Sophie's performance began about 10.30. She had on her fanciest dress and hat and carried a white flag. A strong wind blew and the balloon struggled against it to rise, brushing against some trees on its way up. When Sophie had risen above the tree line, she waved her white flag and the pyrotechnics began. Brightly colored flames shot out around her carriage and the crowd went wild. Then, suddenly, it appeared that the balloon itself was on fire. Some of the crowd believed that this was a new feature of Sophie's performances and they cheered louder. However, it soon became apparent that this was a disaster and the balloon was on fire, descending at an uncontrollable pace. Sophie was seen releasing weight from her carrier and trying to regain some sort of control of her over her inevitable crash. She appeared confident and calm and she may have been able to land safely if not dramatically, except that her basket carrier hit the roof of a house nearby and knocked her out of the safety of her little basket. She rolled down the roof and fell to the street below. According to a newspaper account, she was picked up dead. On hearing that Sophie Blanchard had died, people were distraught. Immediately, the proprietors of Travoli Gardens announced that all admission fees from the night as well as collections of donations that were being collected around the city would be donated to help Sophie's children. Now, you might be thinking, Sophie's children? Paige, what did you forget to tell us? But the thing is, Sophie didn't have any children. When it was discovered that there was no one to collect that money, it was decided that they would use it for a memorial and tombstone which shows an engraving of her in her final balloon ride with the inscription, the victim of her art and intrepidity. Sophie Blanchard is buried at the Pierre Lachaise Cemetery in Paris, France.
Sophie Blanchard's death served as a cautionary tale for women, used at the time to help women know their place. I don't know, though. I think that Sophie, quirky, strange Sophie, was probably inspiring to women who were living at a time when they had few rights and limited examples of women going against societal norms. And because I feel like I really got to know a lot about Sophie while I was researching her, I'd like to think that if she had the chance to choose the end of her story, she would have gone out in exactly the same way. I read both Balloonomania Bell's Daredevil Divas, who first took to the sky by Sharon Wright, and Women Who Dared, 52 Stories of Fearless Daredevils, Adventures, and Rebels by Linda Skears this week to learn about Sophie. The articles, Sophie Blanchard, the high-flying French woman who revealed the thrill and danger of ballooning by Gilbert King of Smithsonian Magazine. The article, Sophie Blanchard, Pioneer Aeronaut from the Unbound Archives. And episode 29 of the podcast, What's Her Name? were all super useful in researching Sophie this week. Please take a minute to rate and review the podcast. I'm proud of these episodes and would love to share the podcast with people who would enjoy them. Your ratings and high reviews are a way that you can help me with that. Please continue sharing this podcast with your friends. If you have an idea for a theme that you'd like to explore with me or a specific woman that you want to make sure is on the list to share with our podcast friends, please email me at haveyoumetherpodcast at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram page at Have You Met Her Podcast to see some images of Sophie Blanchard. You can also check out pictures of all the women that we've learned about so far. I think that it's so interesting to be able to match these stories with the faces of these amazing women. I always share who our amazing woman is going to be early on Instagram, so make sure to follow the show there for that insider scoop. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you're using so that you never miss an episode. I will see you next week.